on, Noodles. I see your head bobbing. You feel it. Thing is, though, where, where are you like grooving to this? When you were growing up, this is this is somewhere in Woodbridge, like some maple. You know, How many times I gotta Sorry. say I'm from Sorry. Maple? Andy doesn't so. like that, eh? You gotta you gotta say Maple. There's a, there's a parking lot in Maple that's just cranking this out. Yeah, because it's so guys different. With guys with Camaros with their hoods <laughs> popped open and it's cranked up, and you guys are in like a semicircle yeah. just going. Eight. So we're from Maple, the, yeah. but it really was coffee time on Highway 7 in Woodbridge that we all hung out at. So, yeah. The parking lot in Maple is so different than the parking lot in Woodbridge. Listen, we've had oh, this really? conversation yes. between St. Joan of Arc and then, of course, Holy Cross and Father Brzezani. Yeah. Father Brujad is what we used to call. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Good <laughs> song, Andy. Good song. Yep. I like yep. it. Started it's it. A good take, we're in the mix. Yeah, take DJ the whole Kong. hour. I don't want anything. I want Joe you to play Joe from the bridge. He's on his way in with glow sticks. We're gonna have a whole it. light show for the six thirty oh, yeah. segment. So good. It just makes you feel good in the final hour here of Overdrive. <laughs> Andy Petrillo in for Brian Hayes, Jamie Noodles, McLennan, Frankie Carrado in for uh, Jeff O'Dog O'Neill. And uh, yeah, we're gonna have more uh, more Gino beats. By the way, did you did you move locations? As we are now up on TSN two, are you in the corner of the room? I was always in the corner. What I did oh. to try and clarify. So this is the, <laughs> there's literally the corner of the room. I have <laughs> to my left <laughs> the like the drape tied in a knot because it would be hanging down like in my face here. So I, I have to see <laughs> this mustard yellow. Curtain. I'll bring it down near the like so I tied it in a knot near the top. I stood on a chair and tied it up so that it wouldn't be hanging down into my the view of the TV. So yes, I've just got this chair in the corner beside the bed and and I turned the light off to kind of give just my ring light a little bit more brightness into my face, which I don't know if that's needed or not, but uh, I. Uh, it's been a moving target, Andy. Put it that way. Like, <laughs> it's been, like I'm in my room. I'm like, I went and got some. You know, I had some of the chips or what was that called? The the sticks the or whatever. Hickory sticks. Hickory sticks. The hickory sticks. People love the hickory add, sticks. Like, they were tweeting well, at us about yeah, it, which is great. I mean, yeah. I enjoyed them. So I had a little bit of that. I had a little water and like little break, and then I've crawled back into the corner here and I kind of adjusted a bit. So that's why, yes, the the view might be a little bit different. The chair is, you know, I, it's it's yeah. a little uncomfortable. I'll be honest. I've been moving a lot because my back is sore sitting here, but. We're getting it done. We've had a good two hours. A lot I want of to finish energy. it off strong. Oh, like, yeah. Solid two hours. Well, and I, and yeah. I know we've already talked a lot about the lease, but there was just still certain things we didn't even get to. Yeah. And yeah. I know that uh, a hot topic here is 11-7 here, Frankie. Yeah. Do you like it? Do you not like it? 11-forward, 7-D. Keith says he seems to like the way it's yeah. been working with his team. He says he likes it. As a player, as a defenseman, more specifically, you don't love 7 because you're not able right. to get in that groove. You want to be out there not every other shift but you you just don't want so much real time to pass right like and then you get into situations where there's tv timeouts there's special teams there's four on four if you're one of the three guys at the bottom that's trying to rotate in you know you could have a shift the whole rotation goes through then two-thirds of the next rotation go through and it's a power play and you're yeah. like, oh, God, I just sat here for eight mm. minutes. Now I'm going to sit here for another five, and then we're going to go to a TV timeout. So there's a lot of external things at play when you are that, that guy. And it was interesting to me, being in the building on Saturday, who those three guys were that were kind of rotating as, as the five, six, seven. It was a lot of Lilligren-Riley, Lilligren-Gustafson, Riley-Gustafson, 
So, and then at times I would see Hall and McCabe. They they really did a good job of making sure everyone was in the mix, but it can get a little dicey and it can get hard for guys to stay engaged and you really have to pay attention. The, the reason why you would go with it is if you think your seventh defenseman gives you more value than one of the players who's going to play on your fourth line. And if Sheldon right. Keefe is saying that he likes 11 and 7, then there's something about whoever it is on the back end being in, whether it's Lilligren, Gustafson, Hall, Shen, whoever that's going to be, he thinks they bring more to the table than Zach Aston Reese or whoever else is going to be on that fourth line. Well, and I'm going to be a bit of a contrarian or climb on top of this. And, and so I think it also gives the coach flexibility up front where you have players where you can find extra shifts for. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Jay Woodcroft does that with the Oilers a lot, 11-7. Now, it, they kind of mirror each other where you've got that top-end talent where he can you don't have a defined fourth line what you can do is find another ship for McDavid or Drysaddle with other players like yeah. farther and and that being said if you look at I, I look at the Leafs D and I look at Edmonton's D I think it gives you more flexibility I don't Frank you can weigh in on this a little bit more but as a coach it gives you more flexibility if you don't trust maybe that six seven spot like you see who's going that night and you can like you said frankie it's not good for a, a rotation but it's good for a coach going like i don't really trust yeah. that guy well the big he, thing yeah the big thing that stuck out after saturday's game noodles if yeah. you looked at the ice time justin hall and timothy lilligren like identical ice time one player had a couple more shifts than the other but it was in that like 13 minute range and now you start thinking okay I like Justin Hall at 13 minutes. You know, like it's yeah. more manageable. I like Timothy Lilligren not having to play closer to 20 minutes. So I understand it from that point of view, and I think that's kind of what you're getting yeah, at here. Just, you can hide players a little bit, but you also you give ice time up front to guys who need it or warrant it, that you're top-end mm -hmm. players, and it doesn't. you don't have to have a defined fourth line. So that's kind of why I like that 11-7. It gives you flexibility on the back end if you don't trust somebody or maybe take some of the minutes away, and you add that the minutes to the guys, your star players up yeah. front. That's the way I see it. Yeah. And you want to see those star players playing, and when they do, exactly. they're obviously producing. And it's, it's nice to also get that in now, I think, if you're Keith, to see if it can be an option for you in the playoffs because, again, I don't need to be that broken record. The Leafs need to get past the first round. Mm -hmm. Let's yeah. bring in TSN Hockey insider now, Chris Johnson, who's uh, in Palm Beach, which I'm beginning to think this is just a yearly vacation because I'm not quite sure what is getting achieved at the GM meetings here. Chris, maybe you can fill us in just a little bit on what's being discussed this time around and what's actually happening over there. Well, Andy, I've known you for years, so I don't want you to out the, the good gig I got going on here. So don't, ask, <laughs> don't ask me any specific questions or follow-ups because uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly nice to be down here. Um, Listen, you're working hard, my friend. You are working hard. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I got to put a suit on and stand around a hotel lobby all day. Um, but, you know, it, it, I'm not, not complaining. Uh, you know, what's happening now? I mean, look, they're, the GMs are here. They're, they look at you know, various potential rule changes. I don't think any of them are going to create massive headlines for our listeners. Although, you know, I'll say the one thing that, that seems to be getting batted around now is the possibility of expanding the coaches challenge, having video review potentially for high sticks to make sure it's, it's not a case where 
it's it's friendly fire, so called, where where maybe a teammate gets another teammate and, and it's it's not called correctly on the ice, or for pucks over the glass. I mean, those are those those are rule changes that that don't give you a big headline. But if it's the first round of the playoffs and the Leafs and the Lightning are are in a tight game uh, down the stretch, and, and one of those plays happens, and and you know something and something has changed that allows that to be the correct call from what might have been a mistaken or missed call. You know, I think that that it could have some big impact, and and you know that's that that would, is one of the sort of items I think that might come out of it that can be changed. But you know, they're also looking at all kinds of different areas of the game um, over these three days, and and uh, you know a lot of the conversations go from one meeting to the next to the next, and that's. That's how you get three-on-three overtime. You know, once upon a time, it was five-on-five, and those changes slowly get brought in at meetings like this one. CJ, I saw a couple things being banded around. I don't know what your thought process is or, you know, maybe what what the reaction will be. And one was them talking about... after a big hit, even a clean hit, the reaction of a fight, uh, you know, stuff like that, like what can be done about it? Are those things that, that might get a little traction or at least get some thought process with uh, with a lot of smart minds around the table? Yeah, that was one of the conversations today. Basically, they, they took the 32 GMs and divided them into four groups uh, that, that met sort of in the smaller breakout groups. And, and you know, that was a topic that each of the, the four groups looked at and, and debated and, and then essentially they come back tomorrow and we'll see if there's enough desire for a change, if there's enough um, of the people in the room that think that, that that has become an issue. I think the fact that it's on the agenda and was one of the breakout topics suggests there's at least, you know, it's, it's not, this isn't just one general manager who's seen it happen to his team and, and, and thinks it's, it's become a, a problem in the game. And so, you know, the, I, I'm not sure what they change out of that. I mean, that, that's that's kind of where I land with it. I, I, it's hard not to agree. I mean, Noodles, you're you're calling lots of games. Yeah. You know, you're watching lots of games too. I mean, it, we see it quite often nowadays. I mean, when when there is a big legal hit, you know, quite often it does result in a fight. Uh, but you know, you already have an instigator penalty, so I'm not sure that it necessarily is a situation that requires a creation of a new rule or adaptation. I mean, it might, it might just be a matter when all is said and done here um, that that there's you know maybe a notice to the, the referees to to you know, enforce the rule book a little bit more stringently than they have been. Two things on that, CJ. The instigator rule doesn't get called enough. And the biggest thing that kind of sticks out, and I used to hear this word when I played, when they would talk about the, the preseason meetings as far as the instigator rule, distance traveled. So if there was a big hit and then someone on the ice traveled distance to go fight someone, regardless if the players dropped the gloves at the same time and there was consent to the fight, the player who traveled the distance was the one getting the instigator penalty. And now it seems that a guy can travel right up to you, ask you if you want to go, you guys take your gloves off at the same time, yeah, you're a willing combatant, but the other guy instigated that fight. Will they tighten that up as far as the player who travels distance to go seek out a fight after a big hit? I certainly think it's possible. I mean, you know, look, a lot of the GMs are, are guys that played the game like, like you and are, have, have lived through this themselves in their own careers, are seeing kind of maybe what, what we might call an evolution or a change in, in the, 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 the behavior here. You know, we just don't see as many big hits, so I think sometimes when you get one, it jumps out. You know, I understand to some degree the, the desire to want to go and, and defend a teammate who's, who's maybe been laid out in that manner, uh, but you're right. I, I think the current rule book does, does include a way to, to, to sort of maybe quell this or at least make it so that you're, 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 you know, putting your team shorthanded by doing that, which is something that will make you think twice, especially, 
when you get into the big games of the season, which we're in now in, in a lot of cities. I mean, the, the playoff races are on. The playoff games are five weeks today. We're, we're going to be talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs, hard to believe. And so the, you know, the decisions that players make come under more scrutiny. And I think that, that certainly there's enough GMs that don't like the, the trend and, and really the debate that's happening down here at this point in time. Is there something need to be done about it or, or is it just something that they have to kind of keep an eye on and, and watch as it evolves? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I like the emotions of a game when there's a big hit. I feel like sometimes guys just can't help it and they just want to go after it. And I also think sometimes you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you don't kind of go after a guy who just laid out one of your guys, you're seen as a team that doesn't know how to stick up for itself. And then, of course, if you do go after, it's like, oh, why do we have to see this after every whistle? But to your point, though, Frankie, if a guy is like, you know, the distance traveled or there's something pretty obvious and egregious, I think he gets the extra penalty. I think he gets the extra minutes in the box, and I think that's how you you know repay the other team who can then go on a power play. I kind of well, know. you know what guys do, Andy, right? Like, so some guys they'll just shed the mitts and yeah. they're fighting you no matter what, and that guy will get the instigator. But right. the guy who travels to go give you a little cross check first, maybe give you a word or two, and then they're going. It's like that guy doesn't seem to get the instigator, but really he instigated he the fight. And the other guy is like, well. I'm not going to get punched in the face, so I'm obviously going to drop my gloves, right? Well, I mean, let's face it. I don't see the instigator called too often at all nowadays. I mean, it's it's maintained in the rulebook the same way it's been for a long, long time, you know, 20-odd years, but you just don't see it enforced too much. And and you're right. I don't don't think the hitter in a lot of cases gets the choice. Whether, Whether there's words or not, I mean, usually you're kind of, you're kind of in by consent if you've if you've thrown that head and someone's coming at you. I mean, what do, what's your what's your decision there? I guess stand there and take some punches or or defend yourself. Um, you know, I, this, I think we're kind of all in the same spot here. Then you know, if we localize this a bit though, like what's one of the better moments of the Leafs season? It came a long time ago, but the Leafs are a team where there's been some questions at times about how they stand up. And it, you know, for me, it was when Mark Giordano sort of you know, got in there, I think it was a game against Philadelphia where they were going at Matthews early in the year, and, and mm-hmm. you know, he, was, he was jumping in there, and, and, you know, maybe if we're applying this, maybe that gets that's supposed to be an instigator. I, you know, it's it's a tough one to figure out, and I think th- this is maybe why, rightfully, you make fun of the meetings in general, is some of these discussions, you can start really going down the rabbit hole about what's right and wrong, and obviously there's a lot of, a lot of GMs that have played a lot of games in the league that care about the game, that are watching it every night, that have strong opinions and, and you know it's, it's not a game that's easily broken into black and white i, I think that that's that's a truth and, and so they, they're trying to weed through those issues decide if something needs changed or not and and you know they got two more days here to, to golf in the afternoon and have those discussions in the morning <laughs> cj anything else on the docket that kind of intrigues you as far as these meetings or maybe that you think they could get some traction on here when you do have all of them kind of like i say in the same spot relaxed uh, you know trades are done for the most part so now the the gms are kind of just sitting back and letting their teams play yeah you know my my inner nerd likes that there's some discussions about sort of the third party trades we saw where, where you know teams like minnesota took yep. contracts as, as a third party broker on the ryan o'reilly deal also dimitri orlov did montreal do with nick demina benino pardon me patrick kane went through arizona like the league doesn't like that stuff and so some of some, those are almost fall under what we might call CBA-related matters, but there's, I think there is some discussion about the, the process of trades and, and um, you know, basically what what if, if there's a way to streamline some of those processes. I'm, I'm not sure if anything will come of that, but 
I enjoy that. It doesn't sound like the playoffs. I think this is maybe notable for something that isn't being discussed, you know, is, is going to become an issue here. I mean, we heard players at the All-Star game, you know, some notable ones, including Sidney Crosby, speak out about the playoff format, saying they preferred the old one-to-eight. You know, Bill Daly spoke to the reporters here this afternoon. I asked him, are you going to pull the GMs on what they think of the, you know, the current setup? Is this, is this something that's front burner for the league? And it doesn't sound like it is. So I think almost uh, – you know, maybe, maybe the fact that that isn't really up for much discussion or, or consideration right now is maybe a bit of a surprise to me because, you know, let's face it, this is not a league where the stars take hard stands on issues too often. And I really felt uh, I was down in Florida for the All-Star game that you had some of the top players in the league outright saying they, they thought the playoff format needed tweaked. CJ, Chuck Fletcher is out in Philly and Danny Briere is in. Does he have a fighting chance there to build a team properly? Or is there too many cooks in the kitchen? Is there just too much influence higher up in the organization, whether it's ownership, uh, notable alumni? Like, is he going to be able to kind of do things his way and really give this team the rebuild it desperately needs? Well, two things stand out to me. You know, he's indicated he wants to do that. He wants to do something closer to what we might might call a traditional rebuild. Or, or basically, he wants to construct construct a Flyers team the way the Flyers have resisted you know, building their teams for years. You know, part of what, what doomed Ron Hextall in his time before Chuck Fletcher was, you know, he was trying to amass draft picks and, and build patiently and slowly, and, and that, that didn't play very well in Philly. You know, the second is they're, they're going to hire a general manager. I think it could very well end up being Danny Brer, who's the interim GM right now. But who's going to be the president? I mean, who's, who's going to be the other big pillar in the organization who's, who's maybe dealing a little bit more with ownership, almost a conduit between the GM and, and, you know, those pulling the strings, maybe some of those, those big personalities, whether it's someone like Bob Clark or others that have been around the flyers, been basically lifelong flyers uh, that, that I think still have some influence over what happens there. And so, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to know how that's all going to shake out. I think we'll, we'll get a better sense in the, in the next month or two as they sort of work through the process of, of you know, finalizing their hires and, and building that front office. But I, I think it's, you're asking the right question, Frankie. I mean, it, to me, it's part of what makes the Flyers great is they've always taken the big swing. They make the big trade. They sign someone to a ridiculous contract. They buy out the ridiculous contract that they did with Ilya Brzezgalov. I mean, they're, they're, never, they're never sort of toe in the water to a, a trade deadline or a, you know, a free agency period. They've always kind of done it big. Um, but, you know, the, the game has evolved. The, the best teams are making different kind of decisions than they did, you know, I think as, as the understanding and the implications of the salary cap of maybe taking on a different life. And so it's probably a good time, I would suggest, to, to, to try a different way. And it sounds like that's what Danny Brer wants to do. But ultimately, he's going to have a boss at some point, uh, assuming he is the, the full-time general manager. And it, I think it's going to depend heavily on, on how that, vo- that boss views things. CJ, before we let you go, has there been any Ryan Reynolds sightings? Do we know what the latest is on the Ottawa Senators? There hasn't been, unfortunately. Uh, we, were on, we were on Reynolds' watch. We were down here a couple months ago for the Board of Governors meeting. I do think it's, I mean, there's a world where he does get part of the, the ownership group and will show up to meetings like this. I mean, that's that's actually kind of the funny part. And, you know, I, I've since watched the Welcome to Wrexham series that he put together after, you know, he and Rob McElhaney bought the, 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 the soccer team over in Wales. And then, you know, he, he, he portrays for sure as a guy that's going to be involved if he gets be part of the ownership but you know it's still in the early stages in a sense i mean things are progressing in ottawa they've taken the first bids now 
but you know, it's it's I think a little too soon to say which bid is favorited, whether the one that Reynolds is a part of is going to be it. Maybe if like there's room for change, maybe if his current uh, you know bid group isn't going to be favored, maybe one of the other ones will take him on. We'll see how that all shakes out. I mean, it, it's pretty clear to me though the league wants his involvement and understands that his influence, his social media following, what he can do with with you know media production can really help the Senators. And I think the Senators are in a great spot. I know that they're they're in tough now to make the playoffs. They've had a couple of tough results lately, but you know, they clearly have a team on the rise. I think they're going to have an ownership group that, that breathes new life into the entire operation. And uh, the Atlantic Division is only getting stronger, so maybe this is the year for the Leafs or the Bruins to, to try to make hay. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll keep that Ryan Reynolds watch going. CJ, appreciate you taking the time. Have fun out there. Okay. Thank you. Chris Johnson out. Palm Springs, Florida. Did anyone else catch that? Right, meetings by morning, golf by day. Clearly, they're just not meeting all day long. Yeah, well, you're not. You don't expect. It's a like, grind of I a do. season. I do. I expect you to be locked in a dark room with no windows in Florida. I don't think these guys yeah. keep regular business hours during a season, yeah. and I gather a lot of them don't necessarily sleep much either. So I, I oh, don't no. mind these guys going and having a, a nice trip where they meet and then play golf. I'm just completely jealous. I don't. <laughs> The envy is. is like yeah. written on my forehead that that's not a gig I get to cover. So no, no. but it, I mean, not you know, happy. GMs go down there. A lot of times, I've heard stories where, you know, they a lot of different GMs have relationships with each other. They'll cook a deal up that maybe goes through six months later. Like they'll right. they'll say you. I've, I've heard stories where, you know, one manager says to the other, like, if you ever decide to trade that player. I need a phone call. Right. And then six months later, it's like, hey, I've given you a heads up. We are going to move that player. Okay, what do you want? Like, So a lot of these things, it's planting seeds. Maybe not for this season. Maybe it's for the trade deadline next year. If you you know, if you know, can't do something with that player, like, let me know because I would be interested well, in it. Because they all have contingency plans, right? Like They're all yeah. getting ready for whatever the cap is going to do or contract status or players – unhappy yep. right so they're i guess yeah you're right they plant seeds and they'll revisit yeah. things at the crucial the critical dates as they call them you're yep. not doing your job if you're not like i mean of course you gotta have I those agree. types of conversations so well hope they have a great time but i also hope a cold spell goes through we're gonna be talking <laughs> a little bit of golf when we come back here on Overdrive, Mark Zucchino is going to be joining us, host of Golf Talk Canada. We'll get to the latest players tournament that happened. Big purse, boys. If ever there was something good that came out of the live tournament, it's that it's forcing um, the PGA's hand when it comes to giving more money. We'll get his thoughts on that tournament and also where he thinks the Canadians could be moving forward for the rest of the season. Uh, more coming up on Overdrive. Such a good tune. I just love the fact that Noodles is bopping his head. That just makes me I'm, feel... I'm trying to get into it. I mean, I'm moving to the, the music here. It's all right. I Listen, I used to go to a lot of clubs where this stuff was in the background. Like, you know... In the background as you just sat in a VIP booth? I would love to see you tight tuck in a club. No, little bottle I mean, service, tight tuck. I don't mind a bottle service once in a while if you can sit. Like I, I just like being able to relax. I hate standing. I just like to sit Ugh. and yeah. chill. Yeah, I got That's you. the biggest thing. Like I, if you can have that, you take that every day of the week. But, Noodles. You know, I yeah. may have a little story to share where I think we were in Ottawa because they were hosting All Star uh, yeah. weekend, 
And I remember, I don't even know where we were. I wouldn't even like call it a club. It was a um, club, I remember. Was it? it? Was yeah. yeah. You were sitting there and you had this drink and you had about like 20 straws. <laughs> 38 <laughs> straws in there. <laughs> these little straws. Is it a fishbowl? But I was like, why do you have so many straws? He's like, it's one for every drink I've had. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure there are like 20 See, straws in there. When you're, when you're done your drink, you take the straw out and you put it into the next one. So that way you know you keep track of like where you're at, right? Yeah. Bro, the problem you lost is, track. end of the night, you've got a full glass of like... 43 <laughs> straws in there. You know that you've over, yeah. overserved yourself. You so. went Marty Wildwood. You did the math and you went Marty I, Wildwood. It Two was, a week. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit ridiculous. I do remember that night. Yeah, there was a... Uh, Surprised you remember that time. night. Well, p- bits and pieces of it. Put it that way. The important <laughs> yeah. parts. Yeah. It, was, yeah, it so. was good. Listen, it was a fun night. It was innocent fun had by all. On, yeah. uh, that's the that's the only thing I'm going to share. That is the only thing I'm going to share. I just thought that that was really funny because I just never forgot why you had so many straws <laughs> in your glass, which I thought was it's uh, a good conversation starter too. Like you know, Andy remembers it. She probably was thinking like, "What is this guy doing?" Now you're in a conversation. You're yeah. social. That's yeah. exactly like it is a lot of things you do need an icebreaker that yeah. that visual is an icebreaker saying what the hell are you doing? I agree Save with you, though, about like having somewhere to sit. I don't have it in me anymore to be like one of those just hanging around the bar, like without uh, an area, you know, like yeah. I need a home base, need an area that's our area. Yeah. Try, do, I, try I, standing around in heels. It ain't fun. It's <laughs> not no. fun. It's not fun. You you got to have a you're right a home plate area, home base where you can come back. You want to go out and be socialized, go out and you know chip away at the room, no problem. Have a good time, but then you need to come back and relax. Yeah. That's the way I feel. Yeah. Uh, before Zakino joins us here, I did want to get your thoughts on Samsonov's comments on Bunting and saying how he was the Toronto Maple Leafs version of a Brad Marchand. Do you? I mean, I don't know if anyone. Could be Brad. I mean, Brad is in a league of his own. At least he used to be. This is a player who has, like, just matured and is dynamite out on the ice, um, completely turned things around, much to the chagrin of me. Uh, right. But would you say that Bunting, is is he like an, is he a little pest out there, like a Brad Marchand? Or can we expect him to What's go out and start licking people's visors? No, but he's a pest, but he's not. Like, Marchand is a superstar. Like, he's an right. all-star, all of that. Like, so if you want to compare the I, – I think he's not wrong in comparing the pest aspect. But That's not, what he was doing. Like yeah. Marchand fights. Marchand puts up points in that. Like I've said this before, and I say this respectfully, Michael Bunting I think would get a lot more respect around the league from even peers if he dropped the gloves once. Like, he's got to pick an opponent, though, because Evander Kane, if he will lose that, that fight know, and he'll get hurt. He'll yeah, Evander Kane. He'll finish third in that fight. Evander Kane is <laughs> yeah. too tough. Yeah, like he legitimately is too tough. Yeah. Like Evander Kane is a serious, serious fighter. Yeah, but I'm saying like the 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 jousting and all of the things that that he does very well. Michael Bunting, he would be better served once in a while to right pick an opponent where it would be a fair match and show people that you. You have no problem squaring off. I like the fact that he gets underneath people's skin. I think that has that has tremendous value. But what happens when he's rendered like there's been games that have been big games where he hasn't been a factor. It's because the other team leaves him alone. They know he won't fight. Yep. They know he won't. So what happens is 
you're, he starts yelling at the ref because he's flapping around. He start, he's, he actually gets himself frustrated because he's trying to frustrate the other team, and, and the other team goes, we know your act. We're, we're going to ignore you. So if, if he drags them into, if he gets them frustrated by being involved physical, then that's where I think Michael Bunting would be another layer of, yep. uh, of effective. You know who wasn't frustrated this weekend? Scotty Scheffler. Who? Oh, yes. no. Oh, no, not at no. all. Let's bring in Mark Zacchino, host of Golf Talk Canada. How you doing, Mark? I'm good, but listen, guys, before we even get started here, I, I love noodles. Everybody loves noodles, but with the Zucchino now added to the lineup, should we be talking about the Nespresso machine on the Italian baseball bench? Oh, like, okay, good like, eye, wow. my friend. That's true. What do you I think? Just, what do you, what, yeah. What do you think the pregame snack looks like in, in the clubhouse? Is there like just a charcuterie board with some prosciutto, some cheeses? For sure. Has yeah. to be. Has to be some prosciutto, some salami, some 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 nice cheeses. Maybe we open an start with an aperol spritz, close with a nice brunello. <laughs> That's I mean, right. I know where this. I know where this talk's going right away, guys. So <laughs> it, it has to be a nice antipasto spread. That's for sure. But I have to say this, and maybe I'm. Uh, and and I normally make fun of purists, but this is where I might be a little purist here, Mark, because. Are you on board with the pods? Like, that's an espresso machine, and I can appreciate it, but are we on board with the pods, or are we still not grinding our own beans over here? Okay, if I'm at home, no, no. If I'm at home or I'm at the right cafe, I'm with you a thousand percent. But for the road game, I literally, I've been on the road for eight weeks with the PGA Tour between radio and live, and it's great now that live's in in the Mm -hmm. family on TSN+, so it's like it makes my heart warm and fuzzy. But I actually bring my Nespresso on the road with me because it's the it's like okay I you know right we're not grinding we're not at our favorite place to to, to have coffee etc. I am literally when I saw that article it was my wife who goes you're not going to believe this and she showed me she showed me the social media post and I just started laughing because we've been lugging this Nespresso machine from the West Coast swing to the East Coast swing. I am looking forward to coming home, though. I'm looking forward to the Masters coming home and getting to work with Lindsay Hamilton again on our Masters desk in Toronto. So I've been away a lot, but I, I, I love my Nespresso machine on the road has been a lifesaver. Okay. I don't I don't want to bury the lead here because we have a lot of Scotty Scheffler talk and a lot of other <laughs> okay. things to get to, Mark. <laughs> right. But because right. we're talking about flying around the world, I don't know if you saw this exchange on Twitter between Tom Hoagie and someone where he won, correct me if I'm wrong, he won $1.3 million this weekend, and then he tweets a picture that he's sitting in seat 21C in economy. Would you be sitting in that seat if you just won $1.3 million? Uh, Listen, I'm not sitting in that seat, and I got nowhere near that money. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I couldn't believe it. I love the image, and that's the beauty, really, of the PGA Tour. I mean, uh, the Netflix series has been has been a godsend in showing some of the personalities. Joel Damon, the real star of that, but there's more guys out there like that. Tom Hoagie, you know, there was nine guys tied for the course record at TPC Sawgrass. This is a golf course that has, you know, struck fear. We've seen guys melt over the years on a 130-yard you know, gap wedge. If there was if there was grass around that island green, they'd be making two all day. We see the best in the world shake. Sixty three, the course record. Norman Couples, Nick Price, nine guys tied for that that course record. And Saturday, 
Tom Hoagie goes out, 10 birdies, no bogeys, new course record. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the PGA Tour why it's, and, and really why it's important to have you know, a, a tour that represents the best players in the world where you can play your way in, but you can play your way out. And not everything in the world is guaranteed. And, and Tom Hoagie's a great example of that. But I love that social media post. I thought that was fantastic. So good. Um, let's get to uh, what just happened to the player, Scotty Scheffler. Do you think he's the best golfer in the world right now? I do. And the hard part about this is, and I hope we all collectively, not just the golf community, but the average sports fan gets behind this. The tough part is, you know, Bob and Adam and myself, at, at, you know, the golf family at, at TSN have been saying that, you know, there's John Rahm, there's Rory McIlroy, and there's Scotty Scheffler. And there's those three. There's those three guys, and there's everybody, everybody else. But I think if you were to honestly ask us to, to prioritize that list of three, Scotty would have been third for all of us. It would have been, oh, you know, maybe Bob would have put Rory first and Rahm second. And I would have done something different. But we all would have had Scotty third. And when you look at the record. And you look at what's transpired over the last year and a half, it's very unfair. And to put it into hockey terms, you know, Scotty does a lot of the little things that aren't sexy, just better than everybody else. And when you add it up, it, it just equals more wins. You know, when, and we're going to come to Augusta in a few weeks, and he's going to be the defending champion. And he might not, he hits it a mile, but he's not as long as Rory. And is he passionate about the game? Yeah, but he's not as fiery as John Rom. So there's all these things where he's just really good, but not the best. But you look at the little details, like who's the best at pitching the golf ball off tight lines when someone misses a green and has an awkward up and down? Well, Scotty, Scotty Scheffler is the best. And you go, well, that's not really a sexy category. But you know what? That's what wins players' championships, defends green jackets, defends waste management. All those little things that in other sports, when we get the playoff time, we go, those are the guys we want to come off the bench and do those ugly shifts that nobody else wants. Scotty Shuffler does that better than anybody else in the world of golf. And now the numbers are starting to back it up. One of the things that stands out about this tournament and Scotty winning it, and I think you've talked about this before, is the fact that this is a week where we can see someone off the board win this kind of tournament. It's not necessarily all the big names jumbled up at the top like it is at Augusta. With that being said, you look at the leaderboard, and there's Scotty at the top. He's a name we thought we would be there, but there's no Rom. he withdrew. There's no Spieth, there's no Morikawa, there's no McElroy. Like, is that not just a testament to Scotty and his consistency and his kind of ability to not get shaken? 100%, and it's because this golf course doesn't lend itself to a style of play. When you get to Augusta, there's two or three categories that are prioritized. You go, a guy who is strokes gain approach is going to do exceptionally well. A guy who's strokes gain around the green is going to do exceptionally well. A guy who takes care of par fives. Those are your three categories. You look at the end of leaderboard, uh, at the end of four days, you go, oh, there you go. And you, you can almost predict what the leaderboard's going to look like. You get to a U.S. Open, same thing. You get to a player's championship and you, you just can't figure out the equation. You can't figure out the formula just identifies who the best is at doing everything well enough for four days, that four days, that period in time. And I think you're bang on when, when you said that it, it is a testament to 
doing everything well, doing the little things well, and not being affected emotionally by the visual intimidation of what Pete, Pete Dye asked a player to do. I mean, that shot on 17 yesterday, everybody's going to go, okay, he's got a five-shot lead, there's two holes to go, this tournament's over. Well, it's not over at TPC Sawgrass because we've seen car crashes at 17 before. He hit that shot from 133 yards, literally within three to five feet of exactly where his eye was looking. That's how precise that shot was in the moment on 17. And in the moment when the group in front of him was making a disaster, he had to watch Min Woo Lee in front of him back off three or four times. Now, Min Min Woo Lee could hit a good shot, gave him something good to look at. But, I mean, there's so many ways that can go wrong, not for Scotty Scheffler. So... It's going to be a fun run. He got on one of these runs last year, you know, and we're kind of right there again, heading to Augusta. And if, if he's not on your fantasy team right now, when we get to uh, when we get to Magnolia Lane, I'm, and you need your head examined. So um, this could be a fun summer, Scotty Scheffler, and we can only hope that Rom and Rory get right back to where they were, because then we could have just some real epic Sunday battles. Mark Zacchino joining us here, host of Golf Talk Canada. Um, So I've shared this before, that my husband has an obsession with golf, and no one watches more golf than him who doesn't get paid to watch golf. (laughs) Mark, he's blowing up my phone right now. I might as well just call him to come do this interview with you because this is what he wants me to ask, and I'm fully taking my husband's question here. He wants to ask you, Mark, how good is the action on the PGA Tour right now? The last two weekends have been drama. Where are you at, Liv? That's his question. Where am I at on Liv? No, no, no. He's, he's basically saying, where are you at, Liv? Because you've got nothing on the PGA these last two weekends. He's just very excited about what's been going yeah, on the last two well, weekends. Well, he's right. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not going to argue with your husband. And if your husband wants to come in and sit in on Golf Talk Canada... Tell him to come on in. We can sit. Oh, in. careful, <laughs> Mark! Careful. Yeah, he John, will John will be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> it has been awesome. I mean, the caliber of play is exceptional. Um, the venues we've been going to, these designated events where the fields are tremendous, the purses are raised, the importance of of how you perform is heightened because it gets you in. It opens the door. And I think it's just been unbelievable. And, you know, there's something special about, special about the Florida swing when you go from, you know, Honda where Jack's got, you know, that lineage with Honda, and then you go to Arnold Palmer's house. And, it, and it, I think it's fantastic that the players and the tour have supported the Arnold Palmer Invitational, even though Arnold's not with us anymore. Because we've seen other golf tournaments over the years where legends have been attached to it. And once that legend is no longer physically with us, the tournament isn't what it used to be, and and, and sponsors flip flip over, and the modern day player doesn't support it. That never happened at Arnie's house, which is fantastic because without Arnold Palmer, you know Bob, myself, and Adam, we don't have jobs. Well, maybe Adam because he does Sports Center, but Weeksy and I, <laughs> we don't have jobs. Weeksy and I do not have jobs. Hold on a second. Bob also does curling. I don't have a job. No <laughs> so, right. I mean, at the end of the day, if there's no Arnold Palmer, there's no Golf Channel, there's no PGA Tour Live, there's no PGA Tour Radio, there's no Golf Talk Canada. So to have the players t- to support that, and then to the players, so your husband's right, it's a really special time of the year, and I think Canadians are really invested more so, and I tell my American fer- friends and family and, and co-workers this, that they have no, no clue what passion about, passion about golf means. Because golf 
in the, this time of year for Canadians leading into the Masters, it's more than golf. My grandmother used to watch the Masters. It means barbecue season. It means snow melting. It means NHL playoffs are starting. It means it kind of lines up with a lot of things that Canadians feel are like, let me out of my cage. It's time to go live again and let's get rid of this snow. So I know that's a lot to consume, but you really feel that from Canadian golf fans this time of year, that it's really the start of things of everything that Canadians love. And it comes to a head in a few weeks at Augusta National. Mark, does, you mentioned it, or you touched on them a little bit earlier, but uh, does Rory and Rom need to win a major this season to kind of keep their top status? 100%, and I don't think necessarily it's just for us, because the World Golf Ranking points are going to show them near the top, and, and the FedEx Cup rankings are going to show them near the top, and they're going to have wins. But at the end of the day, these guys, uh, they measure themselves to history. And, you know, we could open up a huge can of worms here with what's happening with the Saudi Golf League. And you can throw money at, at anything you want, but it doesn't, it doesn't carry the same weight historically as what the greats have done before you. And the greats before you, the most recent great is maybe the greatest of all time before you was Tiger Woods. And he measured himself to one, Jack Nicholas's major record and two to all-time wins on the PGA Tour. That was his That was his 1A, and then, it, you know, his 1, and then his 2. And really, it was Jack's major list. And I don't think more so Rory than Rom, because Rom, you know, recent U.S. Open winner, needs to win more majors. The fact that he's only got one major is probably a bit of a, a flaw in his record. But Rory, yes, he's been the face of the PGA Tour and the face of the game when Tiger's absent, absent has been Rory McIlroy. And he's been open about it. He's like, I feel like I'm trying to win a major again for the first time. That, that's his own words. And that is a huge hill to climb. And I think if we close the door on, the, on a year of majors, and Rory doesn't have a major, and Rom doesn't have a major, and what we've seen some of these kids do, and what we've seen Scotty do, I think it's a huge hole. In, in the year, in the resume, a, a resume, and to the point, and to your point, to, to have them still feel like they're on top of that mountain. So, hey, we got a long way to go. We got four majors in front of us. We got a FedEx Cup in front of us. And we have a Ryder Cup in Rome at the end of the year, which I cannot wait to get on Roman soil for. So, um, it is a huge year in the world of golf. We got a long way to go. But if it lines up, and there's no there's no Rory major, and there's no Rob major. They're going to have a ton of. They're going to have way more questions. They can have as many wins as they want. If they don't have a major, they're going to have more questions headed to twenty twenty four than they have exiting twenty three. Great stuff, Mark. I'll be uh, sending your info my husband's way if you get some calls from a strange it. guy talking <laughs> golf with you. That's <laughs> my husband. Don't night, panic. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Take it easy. That's Mark Zacchino, host of Golf Talk Canada. He does. He get his passion for it gets me stoked for some. Yeah. For some golf, yeah, it's fired up. I agree with so that. So, will you like? Will you go for a walk with your husband if he just plays like nine holes or something? You won't tag no, I'll along. Play, I play. Okay. Right. I mean, I I usually die about like the twelfth hole. I get really tired. Yeah, eighteen's eighteen's too long. So if, I'm if good. You're not I'm a good player, at twelve. Eighteen is a lot. Yeah. Much. So I usually start to die out, fade out by like twelve. But he'll go every single day. He's mm-hmm. already trying to like have us move so we can live on a golf course. So he it's can a good go play. And just. Get in nine holes and then make it home for dinner. I'm like, oh, so, so I'm cooking dinner every night. I just want to make sure I understand this. Just the nights where he's playing nine holes. 
Yeah, exactly. which would be every single night. And like I said, it is just on. It is just on. And he has this, his one friend, his one best friend, Barry, and they literally just sit there and text each other. You about- sound. You literally sound like my wife right now. I think you guys should be in like some kind of support group because this is yeah. <laughs> this is the same conversations we have. <laughs> Maybe Love we it. do. Uh, we got some best bets coming up to wrap up the show, gentlemen. These three hours have just flown by. Been having a blast. Stick with us here on Overdrive. This is Joe from the Bridges Request, and I have to say, Mallorca is a good shout, my friend. Good request, Joe. <laughs> Never heard this before. Oh, this is such a good tune. Andy, I gave That's you the... Uh, oh, look at that golden curtain. <laughs> <laughs> that is from the 70s. That's why, like, you talk about hotel rooms, like this this shade... Whatever this is called, oh. a drape, this has seen some things. I don't that, know what it is. Is it has. velvet? No, it's you know what it's that like is? a car cover. You know it, what shade like... of yellow that is? That's after that night where you had 38 straws in your drink. That's what <laughs> yeah. your urine looked like the that's, next day. Oh. That's what my skin looked like. Like I feel like... You, I feel like something, like a, a dead body's been wrapped in this somewhere, like you know, something like that. Yeah. It's crazy, but Not uh, good, guys. I, I told you I had it tied up so that it was out of the way. Yeah. But I figured I'd drag it down here for the end of the show. I can appreciate you, you showing that. Let's quickly get in today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Um, I'm going Leafs coming out hot uh, versus the Sabres. The first of five shots listed at minus 182. I'm also expecting a Leafs victory. Strong performance from Matt Murray. Come on, Murray. A Leafs win and 25 or more saves from Murray can be had at plus 110. Uh, and then we have the Avalanche there in Montreal to take on the Canadians. I'm taking the Avs minus 260 on the Monday. Line. Today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Frankie Noodles, it's always a pleasure doing the show with you. Absolutely. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Three Frankie. Hours, Good stuff. Just Thank like you. this. Be awesome. safe. Enjoy those hickory sticks. You've been watching and listening to Overdrive. I'm Andy Petrillo. Peace out.